Okay, it's another Sunday in Ventura. I'm happy to be here today especially because in Los Angeles we have 27,000 people from all over the world running through the streets. It's called a marathon. What could go wrong? I don't know. So I'm going to talk about something really important today. It's, it's called truth. Truth about our existence. And, and nobody likes to talk about this. Nobody wants to share it with us. They want to keep us sort of dumb and not thinking about important things. So, the five remembrances. One of my favorite stories about Siddhartha before he became the Buddha was when he went through the streets of the city with his charioteer Chana. And he saw four things that forever changed his life. He saw an old person, he saw a sick person, he saw a dead person, and he saw a holy person. And out of those four sights, the holy person changed his life because he realized there might be an answer to getting old, getting sick, and dying. There might be a way to come to a place of acceptance with that, the natural occurrence, because we were born. Now, there's a story about an L.A. coroner, and he was fired. He was fired because he kept writing the cause of death as birth. And I tell you, there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? So let me talk about the first remembrance. I am of the nature to get old. I have not gone beyond that. Now, for five years, I went to Seal Beach Leisure World, and we had a Buddhist club. They have over 7,000 old people living there. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I'm ready to speak to a bunch of old people. So the first time I went, I looked around the room, and they all looked like me. <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> and we had some of the most profound and deep conversations. Because after a certain age, all the fluff of life, the flash and the trash of life, has little or no meaning. It's for the young people to think about and enjoy and discuss and be con totally confused about what to do next. But the old people, they've sort of had a life, and now they want to talk about what it meant to have that life and what it means to let go of that life. And every day, there'd be an ambulance coming into Leisure World, taking somebody out, you know? And it was just sort of, that's what happens when you live with a bunch of old people, is some of them die. They, in fact, they talked to a woman, 103 years old. They said, what's the best part about being 103? She said, no peer pressure. <laughs> 
So there are some advantages to getting old. Now, as I face my aging process, I'll be 71 next month. And I'm really, thank you. I'm looking forward to it because it, what, a, what a gift it is to have spent 71 years on this planet. You know, and it's not the same planet I came to in the beginning. It's completely different. We sure have a lot more people and a lot more cars and no parking. <laughs> but just to be here and breathe every day and hear the sounds of nature, or in my case, the sounds of the urban environment, what a wonderful example of life that is. And sometimes we get so busy that we miss all that stuff because we're making a living, we have a family, we've got to feed the cats. There's like a lot of stuff to do. And, and you never stop and just take like five minutes just to sit and be still and just feel it. Not think about it, not try to understand it, but just feel it. What does my life feel like? How does it work? Now, the older I get, I'm more aware of how my life feels, and it's not so good. <laughs> you, your knees hurt, your hands hurt, you confuse sometimes. Why did I come into this room? <laughs> but that's sort of all part of the aging process. And, and that's sort of the thing we, we investigate and explore and ultimately come to a place of acceptance with. And, and I am really getting good at being in the present moment. And people come and ask me about something that happened last week, and I'm going, I don't know. <laughs> well, what might happen a week from now? I don't know. I'm waiting to see. This is the first time I've ever been in this moment. And what a wonderful place it is. And all those memories and all those things I've done and all those people I've met, they're like little ghosts now. And they're beginning more and more transparent. And somebody comes up and says, we met each other a year ago. Good to see you. And I say to them, hey, it's good to see you for the first time again. How you doing? I get to have so many new relationships from people I've already met. <laughs> so aging doesn't have to be a bad thing. Aging can be a good thing. Sickness. I am of the nature to get sick. I have not gone beyond that. Now, I'm relatively healthy. I don't get sick very often, and I attribute that to vitamins and probiotics. You may not think that's the case, but the last time I went to the hospital, to get checked in, they said the first thing, how many medications do you take? I said two, vitamins and probiotics. Blew their mind. It also hurts their profit line. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not really sure all the drugs and stuff they give us really makes us feel much better or act much better. So there's something about sort of like, well, I'm lethargic today, I'm a little tired, maybe a cup of coffee, or maybe a nap. <laughs> and those naps are just wonderful. People say, well, you look a little thinner, Kusla. What's your secret? Well, the first secret is getting old. <laughs> and the second secret is taking a nap instead of lunch.
It refreshes me. It makes me feel more inspired. And there's no calories. <laughs> Perfect. And then maybe an extra donut or two. <laughs> Just because I'm giving myself permission. I'm old now. I don't have to be too concerned about what I take in as long as I exercise a little bit, meditate once a day, read the Dharma, think about life. So what's wrong with a donut or two? <laughs> you know, it works fine. So we are of the nature to get sick. And some get sick often, and some get sick not so often. And when we are sick, it really gives us permission to say, okay, I'm going to quarantine myself for a week and just watch TV and take naps. Man, isn't that just the best? And you don't have to feel guilty because you're sick. <laughs> Number three, I am of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond death. Now, death is a tough one, because none of us wants to do that, and all of us will. And they don't really tell us how to die until we're dying. That's when they send us to the hospice. And they don't want us to get better, because we're supposed to die. <laughs> and so they tell us, this is what you have to do if you want to die well. And of course, we all want to die well, but it's tricky because some of us have no place to go when we die. <laughs> and those are sort of the secular people. You know, and they, they haven't thought too much about heaven or hell or rebirth or reincarnation, and they're just sort of going to let it happen. But you know what? We need to participate. It's not going to happen in a good way if we don't participate. So what is the best way to die? Well, one way to die is to think about all the good stuff you've done during your life. To just upload that, hour after hour, day after day. I did this, I did that, I was really good at this, I made people feel better. And all of a sudden, we feel a little better about ourselves, and about our situation, and all the stuff we've done, and how wonderful life was. No regrets. We did it our way. Just like Frank. <laughs> you know? And there's a lot to be said for that. And if we didn't do it our way, we did it their way because we loved them and were kind to them and felt good about doing it another way because they were a special person or people or family in our life. Now, the thing I've noticed about dying is that the older you get, more people die. And it's really weird. I went to a 50-year reunion, high school. There were a lot of people absent because they died. I thought about friends and relatives. A lot of them, they're gone. I remember my grandmother at 84 saying, the saddest part about being 84 is that all my friends are dead. And I'm thinking, wow, really, Grandma? How many friends did you have? A lot. And they all died. And then your mom dies. And then your dad dies. And you go, wow. 
And then your dog dies. And you go, not the dog. Is there no justice in the world? I knew family and friends were going to die, but the dog? Man. And the sad part about having pets is they only live 10 years or so. We go through a lot of them in one lifetime. And every time we're so joyful when they come into our life and so sad when they leave. And we cry and we dig a hole in the backyard, have a little ceremony, a little cross, a Buddhist circle, and wish them well. Wish them well and hope they come back as a human being next time so they can have a really good time. Video games, cars, it'll be so much fun. Dogs and cats are pretty much present moment, when am I going to eat? You know, that's about it. So death, we need to think about death, the Buddha said. We need to keep it as our co-pilot. It needs to rest on our shoulder. It reminds us every day that today is the best day we're ever going to have. Today is the best day we're ever going to have. Now, when you get old, that is absolutely the truth. Because it's all downhill tomorrow. <laughs> this is the day. Then we have impermanence. Everything I love, cherish, and hold on to will be taken away from me. And the culprit is impermanence and change. And this is so difficult to accept. I moved to L.A. in 1969. We're talking a really long time ago, 51 years. And I tell you, I can't recognize it. When I got here, they had hippies and long hair and tie-dye. And the doors were playing on Sunset Boulevard. Come on. Those were the days. You know? And I look around, and there's some hip-hop over there and some rap over there. And I'm going, what the hell are they talking about? And everybody has short hair now because that's the thing. And if you get old enough, you're always going to have short hair. <laughs> you know, and it's just changed so much. The first new car I bought, 1975, $3,700 out the door. Fully loaded. I had an audio cassette player in my dashboard. I was cruising and looking good. You know, and now... Used cars, ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. It's been driven seventy thousand miles because they live in LA, and the the salesman says, "Man, this is a good deal. It only has seventy thousand miles." <laughs> so I look around and I'm thinking, I miss the old days. I used to go to Santa Monica all the time to Norms because Norms had the best specials. They closed. How could norms close? They were 24-7. The parking lot was always packed. Every counter seat was taken. How could they close? So I shifted to West LA, Pico Boulevard. They closed. I'm thinking, aren't there enough people to keep these places open? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe rent got too high. All the places I used to go to do not exist any longer. And I'm going, oh, man, now I have to get used to new stuff. 
And new stuff takes a long time to get used to. And by the time you get used to it, it's old and getting ready to leave. <laughs> so I'm struggling with these realities. You know, it's just, it's not easy when you start looking at the world in a realistic way. Because you don't have a whole lot of people with you experiencing it the same way. Everybody's like in denial. No, it's really good out there. You're the only one that's suffering. No, no. You're suffering too. I feel wonderful. I'm not suffering. It's just you. Okay, it's just me. I guess because I'm a Buddhist. So everything keeps changing, and as soon as we try to hold on to it, keep it the same, it's ripped out of our hands, and we are sad, and we are disappointed, and disillusioned. And the aging thing, and the sick thing, and the dying thing, and the impermanence thing, it's one big wake-up call that maybe your time is coming to an end. Maybe all the stuff you wish was there and isn't is a sign that you need to start letting go. You need to start accepting things the way they are, not the way you want them to be, or how they should be, or how they could be. But how are they today? What do you need to do to come to a place of acceptance with the way things are today? Now, the other day I walked into McDonald's. You know, I had an old T-shirt on. I hadn't shaved for a couple days. My shoes were not clean. And I just wanted egg with muffin. I figured, you know. And hardly anybody looked at me <clears throat> because they thought I was homeless. I'm the old white guy in Koreatown who didn't shave for three days and was wearing old, comfortable clothes. Now, I was told when you retire, you don't have to look good. But apparently, to get your egg McMuffin, you need a tie and a shirt. <laughs> so they reluctantly served me. I said it was to go. They were happy to hear that. <laughs> so how do you get used to that? How do you get used to that? How do you stay open? How do you feel compassion? for all the people that look at you and don't see you and never have. How do you stay open? How do you remind them that we're all in this together? We're all interconnected and interdependent. No one stands alone. The guy behind the counter and the guy in front of the counter are attached. Not obvious, but they're attached. So I try to hold that thought as I face all the changes and disappointments that, yeah, everybody that has walked before me may have felt the same way. And they all reacted or responded in their own special way. And some got angry, and some just never wanted to go out again, just stay at home, watch TV. And some went out and started a new life because they didn't like the life they had. They didn't want to be that person anymore. They wanted to be somebody. 
I want to be somebody. Well, if you're a Buddhist, man, that's the wrong direction to go in. Because <laughs> you're never going to be somebody. Your job is to be nobody. And apparently, I'm getting pretty close. <laughs> now, the last one, the last one is about karma. And, and if you're not a Buddhist or a Hindu or don't really dig karma, you're really going to miss the point of this. I am the owner of my karma. I am dependent on my karma. I was born because of my karma. I will die because of my karma. Whatever I think, say, or do, I will be responsible. This is heavy stuff. Because I can't blame the president or God for being a screw-up. I'm going to have to look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, man, what did I say or think or do that caused this to happen? And can I change it? Can I be in charge of my life? And we can. We have a choice. We have a voice in what happens to us now and in the future. And it's all about karma. Karma takes the place of a divine lawgiver. You know, we don't have justice in Buddhism. We don't have a divine lawgiver to define for us what is right and what is wrong. We have karma. Karma tells us how much we're going to suffer or not suffer because of what we think, say, and do. Karma has no eyes. Karma has no ears. Karma will not forgive you, which is the biggest bummer of all. I like being forgiven. It just makes me feel good about being a screw-up because people forgive you and say, well, maybe next time you'll be better. Karma, no way. You're going to be punished right now. <laughs> but the thing about karma is we can change the outcome by doing some really good stuff. Until the consequences happened, we can change it. We can change it by doing good thoughts, good speech, and good action, and that reduces or eliminates the consequence of that one bad thought, speech, or action we did yesterday, a week ago, or a month ago. So I like that too. I'm invested. I can do something. I'm part of the process. And it is a process. And I like that idea. Though I struggled in my younger years to be an event, I finally gave up. I'm no longer trying to be an event. I'm just part of the process. And everything is just taking me along. And sometimes I'm conscious and sometimes I'm not so conscious. Sometimes I'm really happy, but not because I wanted to be happy. Happiness just sort of happened, which is so cool. I hate mandatory happiness. <laughs> I don't accept invitations to parties because they're saying this is going to be so good and I know it's going to suck. <laughs> So I just sort of let happiness happen. People say, what do you do for happiness? I say, nothing. It just sort of happens sometimes. If I'm aware of it, I got to be awake, though. I can't be asleep. 
I got to be participating, and there it happens. The cat chases the butterfly, doesn't catch the butterfly, but it's just such a wonderful sunny day, and the trees are swaying in the breeze, and all of a sudden inside of me is this little bit of happiness. How wonderful it is to be here and see that and, and not have to do anything but be aware. Just be aware. So we're faced with karma. Karma will be reborn lifetime after lifetime. As a Buddhist, we don't think we have a soul or an essence. We think we are truly a process and will be reborn not because of believing in something, but reborn because of what we thought, said, and did. So as I get older, I'm working really hard on thinking good stuff, <laughs> saying good things, you know, and, 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 and doing good things. Now, I feed cats. I, I know you, if you're on Facebook, you've seen those pictures. Somebody says to me today, she, they said, you know, I don't, re I don't really see you very much in person anymore, but you're always on the internet. You're always sort of virtual. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't it wonderful? I don't even have to look good or smell good. <laughs> I can just sit in my room at the meditation center with a keyboard and create me. <laughs> wow. But then I'm always a little nervous when I'm in person because people may be disappointed. Online, you're so clever. <laughs> Well, I have time to be clever, you know? It takes a long time to find the clever quotes and the cool pictures. But when you're in person, it's just sort of happening and you're just going for the best. You go, okay, well, I'm gonna say this. I hope they get it. Oh, they didn't get it. Oh, man. Okay, well, let me try this. No, that didn't work either. Oh, man. You know, and then finally, you just sort of talk, walk around, and people get it. They say, yeah. Because what Buddhists talk about the most is what it means to be a human being. We talk about what it means to be a human being and how to be a better human being. And the Buddha never became anything more than a human being. He wasn't a deity or a god or an angel. He was just a really good guy who worked really hard on himself, lifetime after lifetime. And when he finally made it to that place of human perfection, and we call him the Buddha, one who woke up, one who was awake, then he's taught. He taught for years and years and years how he did it. I sometimes wish he could do it for me, but he can't. He's dead. So I get to do it myself, but I have this roadmap of how to do it. And these five remembrances are important to think about every day because they root you in the reality of your life. And when somebody gives you a bunch of BS about something, you'll just listen, be kind, say thank you very much, and go have a cup of coffee. You don't need to buy into it. You know better because you're working on yourself, and you know what it means to be you, and just when you get used to you, you change. So you're finding out about yourself every day because there's somebody new showing up. You look in the mirror and you say, what happened? 
Is that me today? Oh, man. Okay. Vitamins, probiotics. There you go. So I want to thank you for coming out. You, you challenged your fear and your dread by coming and congregating in one place. And though Reverend Bonnie said, no hugs today, I really like that. Just a, just a gosho. How wonderful is that? We need, we need to respect everybody's space. And if you have long arms like I do, your space is a little bigger. And you just don't feel comfortable with people invading your space sometimes without permission. They just come and they just, and they go, no, 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 it's okay. I'm a monk. We don't need that. <laughs> so thank you for challenging yourself today, being here, being present, listening to what I had to say.